Good afternoon and thank you for once again for joining me for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another very interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program we'll have a look at a Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is craft a strategy for audience input during a presentation. Also going to be chatting with Christina. We're going to be looking at a trust report and who can be trusted. Um, but right now, we're going to have a chat with Dr. John Woodward, who's a conjoint lecturer with Newcastle University Law School. We're going to have a chat about mediation. Good afternoon, John. Hello, Julian. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you once again for joining us. So I suppose we need to put it in perspective. What is mediation? Um, that's a good question, and it's answered in many different ways by by many different people, and it probably reflects the nature of the process. Um, but the National Alternative Dispute Resolution Advisory Council, uh, which advises the federal government or used to advise the federal government on such matters, it's now been replaced by another body. But it describes mediation in the following terms. It says it's a process in which the parties to a dispute with the assistance of a dispute resolution practitioner, the mediator, identify the disputed issues, develop options, consider alternatives, and endeavour to reach an agreement. Now, the mediator has no advisory or determinative role in regard to the content of the dispute or the outcome of the resolution, but may advise on or determine the process of mediation whereby the resolution is attempted. Mediation may be undertaken voluntarily, under a court order, or may be subject to an existing contractual agreement. Hmm. So that, that in a nutshell, is what, what mediation is about. So as a lawyer of many, of many years' practice, what sparked your interest in the subject? Well, um, I came to the view um, probably fairly early in my career that um, the... Uh, the law really, legal proceedings um, are available for uh, to provide legal solutions to legal problems. The problem with that is that the very large number of matters that come to the attention of lawyers are in truth not legal matters, but they're disputes that are uh, motivated by multidisciplinary types of considerations, things that you know, people's emotions and all kinds of things um, result in disputes. And if you start trying simply to apply a legal solution to a non-legal problem, um, then you might win the case, but you'll lose the war because you have lots of winners who are not very happy. So I sort of became aware of the sense of thing that people are saying, oh, you know, you can't win. The law is an ass. It doesn't help you at all. Um, whereas, in fact, what they were doing really was just trying to seek to impose uh, their idea of a solution on a person they regarded as a competitor. Mm. So, so your interest in the subject uh, led you to uh, taking a PhD thesis about a couple of years ago. Uh, what, what did it originally look at? Um, well, the the, uh, the first part of the process involved me in sort of reading everything I could find about um, ADR, and that meant going to a lot of uh, literature outside um, the realm of what I'd been looking at in the law. Um, so interestingly, I got quite a bit of information from the uh, uh, Harvard University, which I, I know is a regular referral point for you. Um, but there's a lot of multidisciplinary psychology, um, sociology, those sorts of disciplines that lead you to 
consider what it is that motivates conflict and how uh, conflict can be resolved. So that was my first port of call. And then, this, the, then the next, the next part of it um, was um, going out into the uh, going out into the field and interviewing lawyers and interviewing mediators um, to do the empirical research necessary to put together a thesis. So, so, so what sort of reaction did you find from lawyers? Well, I found that um, you know certainly in the area where I research, which was mainly New South Wales, that no, in these days, I mean, bearing in mind I only did this back in about 2015, which is, you know, five years oh, ago, six good. years ago, yep. um, that, that in, in this day and age, most self-respecting lawyers would not ever admit to not being, um, you know, on board with mediation. Most mm. people would say that they, they that, you know, they're a great fan of it and it's a great of great assistance to their client. But when you drill down a little bit, um, you often find that there is an undercurrent of resistance to what mediation is really all about. And I think that that resistance is brought about by um, a number of factors. Firstly, people are, um, you know, lawyers are concerned about um, what that might mean for their own relevance going forward. Um, and that's, so that's one aspect. Another thing is that um, they don't. Many people don't really. Many lawyers don't really have an appreciation for um, how you can engage um, the the world of people's interests, mm. rather than just looking at um, technical legal solutions to things. So if you engage, if you look at the broader horizons, then you get a better understanding of what the problem's about, and you can often resolve it without even thinking about going to court. So, so obviously, this is a very valuable tool for people in business. Um, well, I I think that it's a great, um, you know, I think it's a great a great thing for people in business because people in business, probably more than anyone else, are in a position to do something proactively about this. Um, they can, for example, they, they can um, insist when they are consulting their lawyers about commercial contracts and so on, and when they're thinking about entering into commercial contracts, is to ensure that there is an ADR dispute uh, resolution mechanism uh, provided in the contract so that in the event of a dispute with uh, a joint venture or you know another, another commercial party to their, their contract, um, they agree up front, while the grass is green and the sky is blue and everything looks rosy, that in the event that despite our best efforts we fall into dispute about some matter, then what we will do is go off and get a mediator. And you have all the mechanics of that set out in the agreement so that they can, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that the, 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 the things are kind of, the, the, the way forward is made clear. Um, and then you very often find that the, the outcome of those kinds of processes is that is that uh, people um, get these things resolved without ever having to go near a court, and uh, they preserve the relationships, they save a lot of time, and they save huge amounts of money, mm. and that that must be good for business. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, so so that's 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 one thing. Um, right. I, I, yeah. Well, thanks very much for your time. That's that's a great point. We'll uh, have a chat with you again and see how it's going in the in the legal world. Okay, thank you, Julian. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay, bye. Dr. John Woodward there with 
the importance of mediation and uh, making sure that clause is in your contracts, I think, is uh, is a very important point. And you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM. Time to chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good Hello. afternoon, Julian. I was on mute. I was singing away to... Uh, oh, you are mute on your phone because you weren't on yeah, mute here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. You're singing uh, away. Yeah, that's good. Excellent. I was singing away, tapping away. How are you? I'm good. And yourself? I'm very well, thank you. So we're going to talk about the trust report. Yeah, we are. So Edelman Trust Barometer uh, is it came out for 2021. It's the 21st annual that they've done. A lot of people actually don't know that it happens. It's a global trust barometer, uh, you know, annual. It comes out annually. Um, and very interesting in that this year in a lot of countries, the numbers went up. So um, in business, there was a, a two-point improvement. In 18 of 27 countries, the, the trust barometer for business went up. Uh, interesting NGOs went down a point. Governments, interestingly, went up three points, mm. and media went up. So, for all the all the um, things that we're hearing about fake news and people not trusting social media, media overall went up by two points. It's a, it's as I said, it's a global study. It's done um, across many different countries, but I think if we zone in on Australia and, and figure out how it re- it's reflective on business here, so um, business confidence and employer trust actually went up in Australia by three points, which is really interesting. And we find over history that people, um, people's levels of trust go up in times of crisis if they believe their leaders are handling the crisis well enough or mm. comparatively enough to, to other countries. So we've had some pretty poor um, responses from, from some of our overseas uh, counterparts to what was going on in COVID, to stimulus packages, to how they were actually jumping in and helping their people. And I think um, across those ideas, Australia, you know, we've been in a pretty, really pretty good position compared to a lot of countries. And so it's not really surprising that, that our government approval went up by a couple of points, um, but also that our, uh, our trust in employers went up by three points. Mm. So although we've had those lockdowns and things, we've we've certainly come come through it fairly good at the moment. So, and hopefully yep. with the vaccines, we're going to continue to enjoy the lifestyle that we're now currently having. Yeah, exactly. And and I think if we can maintain, so I think there's been a slight shift as well into the openness and the transparency with which um, businesses, business leaders have been dealing. Um, with employees and have been very open. I know there's quite a few um, of my colleagues who have worked in organisations that said, hey, we're going to push, instead of, um, you know, firing anyone or, or letting anyone go, firing's not exactly the right word to use here, but instead of letting anyone go, if what if we all take a 20% cut, executives, owners, everything included, um, and that way we maintain our levels of employment through the, you know, through the harder times. So there were lots of open conversations and I think if we can take, you know, we've, we've mentioned a few times um, over the last few weeks the silver linings that have uh, that have made themselves, you know, available. One of the silver linings is let's keep that trust, let's keep that openness and the transparency um, alive within small business because it can only improve productivity. And you and I have spoken many times in the past around you know, it all comes back to workplace culture. So you can't have trust without a good workplace culture. 
in in most instances. So if we can if we can maintain those levels, if we can maintain um, the trust, uh, then I think we'll be in a really well, much better position moving forward as far as business goes. And uh, talking about culture. Um I'd be interested to see how the trust barometer goes next year with uh, what's happening, certainly in the in Parliament. But uh, I think, I personally, from all the experience I've had in business, I think uh, bullying and sexual harassment is a problem right across the board, not just in the culture of the Parliament. No, it is. It definitely is. And it's really hard to understand that with all the work that has been done um, around bullying and harassment, that it still exists. This is what I'm absolutely flabbergasted that. I mean, given that the the events that are being brought to light now, you know, happened, they didn't happen this year. Um, but but given the fact that we have been dealing with bullying and harassment for how many years now, mm. and it still exists, it's still endemic in a lot of organisations, in a lot of businesses, corporations. Um, how is that? I'd, I'd really need somebody to explain mm. to me how that is when when we're so cognizant of what goes on. Because they say that uh, in Australia, one in eight people will, will experience bullying. Yeah, and, and you know, sadly, for women, um, women can often be the most bullied, but the sad thing is that it's often women bullying women. And mm. that I, yes. I find very distressful, and uh, I find it difficult to get my head around that as well. Yeah. But, you know, I, many instances of that happening... Many instances, clearly, where um, I think maybe the issue there is that if it comes from a male, it's more considered harassment. If it's if it's from a female, it's more considered bullying. I'm not sure. There could be some um, some conversation to be had around that. But mm. the fact that it exists at all is is you know not not testament to our development and our growth. And it'll be so. It'll be interesting to see how this all develops out and whether anything is passed that will reflect not just the parliament but also businesses themselves. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, just um, on, on how fast things do move and are capable of moving now, um, you know, we've had people look at... So, you know, Facebook's been in the news uh, with, with the media and everything, and then, you know, now we've had Australia look at look at its loose terminology uh, in how it defined news media, etc., and, and things like there have been conversations had never been changes made already. So that also bides a lot of hope um, mm-hmm. for the future that... that these things don't have to take a long time and have to go through long processes in order for change to happen. And we've known that through the pandemic, decisions have been made almost instantly overnight, you know, within a couple of days that, that once upon a time would have taken weeks mm-hmm. to make. So that is another, that's something else. We know that we can move fast. We know that we can practice the agile talk. Um, we can actually put it into practice when we need to. Okay, so we'll put on the calendar for this time next year to check the trust barometer again yeah and see and see where it is you know uh, the, the the study the study is done around november okay. um, october november and All it's right. across many different countries so we'll look well, at it again thanks for your time we'll have a have a good week and we'll chat with you next week look forward to it julian have a great week too you too bye-bye christina there with just looking at trust and that trust report is interesting and it will be interesting to see how it changes as the years go by, and you're listening to Business, the Law, and You on 2NURFM. Time for our Harvard Business Review tip. This particular one is craft a strategy for audience input during a presentation. And we're starting to do presentations again now, and it also applies to Zoom ones too. Asking audience members what they think during a presentation is a great way to heed the pleasure principle. 
When people feel their voices and ideas are being heard, they're happy and therefore more likely to open their minds to what you're proposing. But you need to decide in advance when you'll ask people for input. Maybe you want to ensure that people are following along as you make your argument. Or perhaps you want to draw on their knowledge to support your message. Either can be useful. Just avoid empty questions aimed at the whole room. Is everyone following all good? Those don't captivate anybody. People will just nod. Instead, directly address individuals. Does that seem like the biggest problem with customer satisfaction, Mary? Given your frontline perspective. So it's interesting points to get some of that valuable information out of people. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at mediation and the and the real value of mediation with businesses, particularly uh, if you want to keep that relationship going with your uh, other people. And we've looked a little bit at that trust uh, report. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit the world of tax with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants. We'll have a minute on innovation with Christina and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Norman Vincent Peale once said, when you change your thoughts, remember to also change your world.